reminded of a story just now about a man who was a prospector. I don't remember all the details, but there was a man who was a gold prospector many years ago, and he toiled and he toiled and he prospected and he dug and he dug and he dug. And after years of digging and finding nothing, just digging dirt, digging dirt, digging dirt, and never finding gold, he finally relinquished that he was never going to find that which he sought. And so in a moment of despair, quititude, he sold his prospect, his land, where he was prospecting, feeling as though there was no gold in those. The gentleman that bought the land went out there and within about a day or so, he dug a few feet into the ground from where the prospector had left off. And just a few feet away, he found one of the largest veins of gold in the state of California. Just a few feet from where the prospector had stopped. I feel like there's so many people that come here week after week or come and visit. Why do you come? Why do you visit? What drew you here? What are you hoping to uncover? What are you hoping to dig for? What kind of gold or treasure are you hoping you get today or any other day you've come? And where do you stop digging? There are people that come in here and I feel like they came for something. Something drew you in, something. You said, if I come, maybe, Maybe there's something valuable here for me. But you quit the dig. You're a few feet from it and you stop pursuing it. And you say, I was there. I didn't receive any gold. But it looked like others did. Someone came after me and testified. Someone came before me and testified, but I didn't see any gold because we don't press in for it. We don't dig long enough. We quit just short of the gold, just short of the glory. Or we sit and we watch others dig and you say, ah, I've tried that digging before and I come up dry. And we're a moment from a miracle, but we don't press in. Well, God, you need to do something for me. You can't worship me for 30 minutes, but you want me to bless your whole life. just give me a solid 30 but you're mad when your plan doesn't work you blame me for brokenness that I'm not responsible for when you won't give me the time to fix it what do we give our time and attention to and how long do we dig but pastor, you don't know, I've been digging, I'm sore. I'm tired, I'm dirty, I'm sweaty. No one ever said digging is easy. I fear for the fast food church.
we're a fast food church, when we've forgotten what preparation looks like, when we've forgotten. It's amazing, you know, one day I was going through my cupboard and I was making something and I was just grabbing different spices. Just regular old spices, pepper and salt. And I got some salt to salt it. And, you know, when I see salt, I'm always thinking I'm the salt of the world. You know, I'm thinking about these scriptures. And I saw this video and it was talking about uh, uh, the value of salt to the colony when we were still just a colony instead of a country. And they were talking about, you know, the, the Civil War, uh, or not the Civil War, but the War for Independence. And they were talking about Britain blocking the salt from coming in because salt was the necessary component to preservation. And without preservation, the colonies would starve in the wintertime. And so if they could block salt ships and they could stop that, and we couldn't manufacture enough salt or dig up enough salt, I should say, in America. And they were going through this whole history of salt. And I'm like, I, I don't even know where to go find salt. I've never dug up salt in my life. I've never had to go to a salt mine or a salt plane and get salt. I don't even know where I would go if I couldn't go to the store. Where's the salt in Oklahoma? I'm talking practical here. That would be sweating. It's gross. just thinking about the idea of how I reach in my cabinet and I take for granted that somebody labored and dug and processed and grinded and pressed that salt so I could just grab it and add it. And I can run down to the local store and grab a bottle of any seasoning I want from around the world in a few inconvenient minutes. Oh, I can't believe I'm out of that spice. Now I got to run to the store and we act as though we are inconvenienced by those few minutes. And I feel like there is something that happens in us as a church that we want that world in our faith. We want to be able to reach into a spiritual cabinet and just grab anything and not grind and not press and not dig. And for it all to be readily inaccessible and just be a minute's drive away at the most inconvenience. trades convenience for contending thank you Lord for when you pour out so readily but Father let me never be a person that doesn't press in that doesn't pursue that, that thinks everything should be instant it's not always instant and here's the problem with the instant mentality I'm not stepping on your toes just giving us a perspective here's the problem with the instant mentality is that I believe you malnourished every single time 
because we have an instant mentality and what happens is the moment that it's not instant, we don't know how to get it. We don't know how to dig. We don't know how to process. We don't know how to press it. I've never even seen a pepper tree in my life, a, a black pepper tree. Is it a tree? Is it a bush? Somebody knows. I don't. I don't know what turmeric looks like before it's orange in a bottle. I love curry. Couldn't tell you what a, is it a curry tree? None of you know either, do you? It's a root. That makes sense. Yeah, sure. Who dug that up? Who figured up this root could be tasty? Somebody pressed, somebody discovered, somebody tried, somebody worked. Somebody packaged it and gave it to us. And we are so the packaged people. We want the package. We want the shiny, the new. We'll pay more for it as long as it looks good. But we won't press for it very often. Our culture won't press for it very often. And there are, there's oil from heaven. There are mysteries. The word of God says it's the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings to search it out. And there are so many peasants in the pulpit, in the pews, that have not come as heirs of the throne because they won't search it out. They won't dig it. They won't press for it. They won't come and say, God, Lord, I'm empty and I can't get it from a fast food situation. So I just remain empty. Because to be full, I have to dig it up. I have to press it. I have to process it. I have to consume it. I can't just get it neatly packaged. There are some moments in your life. Look, guys, I try to come up here with a package for you. I got something to give you, and I've got it all wrapped up in one, two, three. And if you just follow this, here it is. I'm giving you the kit. That's what we want from our preachers. We want them to hand us the kit. It's, it's Christmas time. Some of you are going to go buy a gingerbread kit. Is anyone in here going to make gingerbread to build it themselves? See, see, just a few years ago, you'd actually make the gingerbread. You'd buy some gingerbread cookie, and you'd buy it from a box, too. You wouldn't go dig up ginger root. I know that's a root. You wouldn't go buy some root. You wouldn't dig it up. so because of that being our culture we kind of have this expectation that that's the way the kingdom should work God should just neatly package it pastor you should just neatly package it give us all the ingredients give us the exact recipe right we we want an Ikea heaven here's each piece each bolt each thing and we got an instruction man and we just put that bolt number one into slot number one and there it is there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm saying that when we have that culture mentality that everything exists that way, we don't know what to do when we are empty and we have to dig to get full. We don't know what to do when we look around and say, I don't know how to get out of this. I feel empty. 
I feel lost. I feel broken. And there's no kit for my life. There's no one, two, three on my life. And then we're stuck because we trained ourselves that everything should come in a package prepared for us. And it should be easy bake or no bake. So I'm thinking about that this week. See, I have a privilege in my life. I have a pastor privilege. I get to spend more of my hours consuming the word or digging in or getting revelation than than most people get. And I understand that's a privilege. I understand that I get something that not everyone gets. This last week, we were working really hard to remodel the house that we decided we didn't want to live in anymore because it was too far from the church and we couldn't do ministry as effectively and as often and so we abandoned our house gave that up so we worked all week to fix it up and get it ready to rent out and we needed to get it done for December to rent it we had a renter lined up we had to get it done and so Rachel was there more than me, but she was there constantly. And then I was there and we're going. I was you know, early in the morning till late at night. And, uh, both of us coming back and <laughs> walking like this. <laughs> and she'd be limping and I'd be limping. And I was like, yeah, yeah, we put in a good day's work. But it was all day, constantly, all consuming. It wasn't an evening. We weren't done at five. We didn't clock out. Dean was there working and he was limping and me and him were laying on the floor, putting in appliances, and then getting up was a chore each time. I'd help him up, he'd help me up. I'm like, this is not fun. And we were worn out. And life happened, and people messaged, and hey, I'm going through a tragedy, hey, I'm going through a hardship, and it turns out that people's lives don't stop because I'm busy. Turns out the hardships you face, you still need a pastor, even when your pastor is a construction worker for the week. I'm a car, I mean, I'm a Jewish carpenter. That's true. Take after my dad. It's fine. And I just found myself so physically drained that I just woke up and I'm like, I'm empty. I'm just empty. I'm not bitter. I'm not angry. I'm not upset. I'm, none of those. Don't, don't, don't cry for me. I just woke up and I had one of those moments where I'm like, I'm empty. Lord, I feel just drained. I don't, I need a nap. I wasn't in a bad mood, so I wasn't quite Elijah, right, where he hid in a cave and through a fit and God was like you need a snack and a nap I just want to give up on everything and I quit I wasn't there I wasn't in the quit up quit up and give up phase that wasn't where I was I was just empty have you ever been to a place where you're not angry but you're empty you're not frustrated but you're not full where you just wake up and you're like I don't have anything else 
I don't know what to give. I don't have anything to give. I'm empty. How do I get full again? And I look around. I'm like, Lord, how do I get full? Where's my one, two, three to get me full this morning to be able to pour out onto other people? Where's my one, two, three? And it's not there. I don't have a recipe, a kit put together where I could just grab it off the shelf. The pastor process. Just grab that. One, two, three. You'll be ready this morning and you can pour out. There are moments in life where you will find yourself empty, but someone needs something from you. How will you fill up if you don't have it in a packaged box? What will you do to press, to push, and to pull down heaven in your life? Or is it, I'm going to sit here and you need to spoon feed me. What happens when that doesn't happen? What do you do? I'm not getting on to you. I'm not saying, oh, church, you bunch of spoon fed. I'm not saying that at all. Some of the Zoom people, not you guys. I'm just Just wanted to see you laugh. the tap when you're running out of fuel and we have the convenience of a gas station to fill up what do you do when you have to dig for oil and process it into fuel do you even know that process you know the package but do you know the process There are so many of us that have the packaged faith, but we don't have a processing faith. We don't have a knowledge or understanding of God to the point that when we come into a situation where we look around and there is no one around to hand us that package or to get the package from, that we have no idea how to process our faith. And the problem is, is that because of that, because we are so fast food mentality, we are busy going from place to place to place to event to detail to work to everything in our society is so quick is so fast this week I was working so hard I'm like I haven't even had time to stop read my bible to pray I don't get there was no soaking time it was work time work time and I had to spend time with him as I went which is great but it wasn't the same there was no processing there was no soaking and I realized something was draining out of me Something was draining out of me because I didn't have time to process or soak. And something was missed. There was something in me that was not a home-cooked meal. And it left me feeling different. Because I'm so busy. And we get so busy. And this is the season. We want to say he's the reason for the season. It's the season of joy. It's a season of peace. It's the season of busy, let's be honest. It's the season of obligated busyness. I don't know how we turned it into that, but we did. Because we packaged everything. And so instead of soaking, we don't don't soak. And so I'm like, Lord, I woke up and like I said, I wasn't upset or angry or so frustrated I came in. It was none of that. It was, there was a weariness on me. And I was carrying that weariness and I'm like, man, I, 
like, Lord, I just need a good Sabbath, a good moment of rest. And I was like, Lord, I don't have the one, two, three right now to be full. It's been a minute since I felt just empty or my tank was running on E. And I'm like, Lord, what, what, what do you want me to do in this moment? What does this look like? And it wasn't a one, two, three. It was a simple word from him this morning. Wait. Wait on me. Just wait. And I'm like, Lord, that's the problem. I've been so busy. How am I supposed to wait? He's like, wait. That's the missing ingredient. That's the missing process is that everything's so fast food, so quick that there's no waiting. We say it all the time. We want crock pot power microwave speed when we're praying, when we're busy. But there is something damaging to our soul if that's 100% of the time. There has to be some crock pot wait. There has to be some allowing God to slow roast. We went, the men... If you're a man in this room and you miss Saturday at Butcher's Barbecue, I'm so sorry for your loss. We're grieving for you. When the men went and they're like, this really is the best barbecue I've ever tasted. I mean, it's true. But we, we, they gave us a tour of the kitchen, which was awesome. And they took us back and showed us their machines. And they're like, yeah, we don't have as fancy equipment as some other places do. And I'm like, well, you know what to do with it way better than other people, clearly. And they opened up one of the ovens to show us what was inside, and they were slow roasting uh, big, it was brisket. Yeah, I, I didn't look that carefully, but it was brisket in there, and they showed us some of the other ones. But when they opened the oven to the brisket, you could see like the, the caramelization on top of the meat, and, and uh, you could see that it was looking like brisket on the outside, right? It looked like a ready brisket. But when it came out, I could smell the smoke flavor and I could smell the, the, the meat and the, and the seasonings. I could smell all that. But what was interesting is I could also smell something else I didn't expect. I could smell the raw meat. On the outside, they looked cooked. But these are fat briskets. They were not done on the inside. He says, these ones are for tomorrow. They needed a whole, they were over, I don't know how long they had been in there, but they had to cook at least, they were for the next day, 24 hours from the moment we were looking at it, those were going to be prepared. So they needed to cook for another 24 hours on low heat for a full day. They looked done on the outside, but I could smell the raw on the inside. I said, that's amazing. And I told him, that's amazing. I can smell the raw meat inside. And he goes, yeah, yeah. I said, it has a different smell. And you can tell by the scent it's not done. Some of you look done on the outside. Some of you look Christian on the outside. Some of you look perfect on the outside. Some of you look and you go, oh, yeah, that's tasty right there. That looks good. But you're still raw on the inside. You're still being developed. And what we want is a shortcut. And what we do when we take the shortcut is we toughen up the meat. It's not tender anymore, but it's tough. And some of us want a fast way out of our situation and a fast solution. And we don't realize that that 
process is what develops us into something tender and something that you can see that tastes good. The Lord says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Not just see that the Lord is good, taste. The process is important. The waiting is important. Oh, but I want it right now. I want it right now. I want it right now. I don't think there's any of us that are like, no, 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 I don't want it right now. I want to wait. I would really, you know what I would really like? To need it and wait for it. That would be fun. Nobody. Nobody. Let's just be honest. Nobody. Not me, not you. But I've matured enough in my life where I've recognized it's been the process seasons where what I do with the empty moment, what I do when I'm running on E, is what develops me. It's the way I handle the waiting. And see, there are so many of us that what we do in the waiting season is we think waiting is sitting in the lazy boy. We think our job in the waiting season is just to check the mail. The check will come. Now, does God send checks in the mail? Yeah, absolutely. Does our God just bless us when we've done nothing? Yes, absolutely. Is that the way it happens 100% of the time? No. Because we don't process that way. He's not trying to make spoiled kingdom brats. He's not. And it amazes me how many people will hear that message and you'll think, I don't like this church. We should find another one that tells me how to be a spoiled kingdom brat. That'll tell me a great message on, it's all there, you get it, God loves you, don't do anything. And, and they're like, well, that's more pleasing to my ear. That smell, that, that tastes good to me. That smells good. Here's the truth, it doesn't do either. It looks good. It looks done, but what you get on the inside is raw. What you get on the inside is tough. And there's so many Christians that don't understand how powerful waiting is. And so I'm like, Lord, I'm excited to come to services. Let me tell you what it did, what it didn't happen. I didn't say I'm empty, I don't want to go. When I felt empty, this was the one place I wanted to be at. Rachel said this morning, I said, I just feel, I just feel empty. And she goes, you want me to do it this morning? And I was like, nope, I'll be just fine. I was like, the Lord will show up and do what he wants. I'm not, I'm not ever tapping out because I don't feel it in the moment. Because that's not character. And that's not kingdom. And so many times we're so ruled by our emotions and our feelings instead of God's purpose. And so I don't feel like it, so I don't do it. When did it become about us? We have an us-centered kingdom. When did the word say, live for only you, instead of die to yourself? And so I'm like, Lord, I feel empty. And he said, just wait. And I said, yes, Lord. When I'm weak, you're strong. I understood. When I've got nothing, you've got something. So I'll open my mouth and maybe I'll let 100% of you out this morning instead of throwing in a little bit of my strength or my flavor into the mix.
And so saying I'm empty didn't leave me with a frown on my face. It left me encouraged. I was like, man, I'm really empty. I'm not in a bad mood. I'm empty. This is going to be good. I have no clue what you're going to say, and that's exciting. I have no clue what you're going to do for people, and that's exciting. To be in a place where I'm empty but submitted. Where I'm empty but I know the source. So what does waiting look like? Kava. I'm probably saying that wrong. Kava is the word there for waiting. And what's interesting about that word is that we think of waiting differently in in our American English. Waiting is just simply to sit, to rest, to to just wait, to sit around, you know, the lazy boy mentality of waiting. But the word of God says this, that originally, the, the, the original Arabic usage, Aramaic terminology for waiting was a twisting, stretching, a tension of enduring. So there was an intention, a tension, excuse me, not intention, but tension of enduring. In waiting. So it, the idea of a cord being wound together. Uh, the tension, and there was another terminology where it meant not just to wait, but to look eagerly. To look eagerly on something. So it wasn't just, I'll just sit here and camp out until something happens. It was taking a proactive approach in the season of waiting. A season of waiting meant you were under tension because you were being twisted together. See, when you wait on the Lord, it means you are intertwined with the Lord. It means you are wrapped yourself around the Lord and everything you do you're involved Lord I feel empty so I'm going to wrap myself around you're going to wrap yourself around me and I'm going to feel the tension of that moment and I'm going to eagerly look for you I'm going to eagerly seek you out I'm not just going to sit in my mess I'm going to allow the tension in me to look for you with a passionate pursuit of you, Lord. It also, the waiting was, was also something, you would use that terminology if you lied in wait. Okay, not lied as in, not tell the truth, lie as in lie down. Lie in wait. So a thief or a, a soldier, if there's an oncoming army, would lie in wait for the enemy, right? To set a trap almost or to set uh, an ambush of sorts to lie in wait and eagerly waiting. When you are a soldier and you're in the midst of something and you are preparing to spring an attack, you don't just lay there and go, guess we'll win or we won't. Well, if they show up, let me know. We'll fight. There's a tension in that waiting. There is a, a nervous anticipation, I would say, in that waiting. I know that nervous anticipation Many of you have experienced my proactive waiting behind doors and walls that you don't know I'm behind. 
and then I just give you a, hey, what's going on? <laughs> and then you feel the tension. I love to spring a little trap and watch, oh my gosh, what's wrong with you? A lot. Do you have time? <laughs> I'm just trying to say, hi, what's your problem? I never come out and say, boo, that's mean. I'm just like, hey, how you doing? <laughs> Not great now. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Seek Rachel for inner healing. There's probably more than a few people. <laughs> Let me see. I've, I've, I've figured out who, how they, each person has responded. If you've been around me for any length of time, if you're my leadership, I know how you respond to suddenlies, okay? I've, I, I'm testing those to see how you respond. To, I know which ones go, oh my gosh, what is wrong with you? My heart sunk. And which ones come out swinging. <laughs> so I know which ones, if I do that, I got to clear, I got to, this distance. I can get a little closer to Crystal because her arms are really short. So, like, little, so I can be like, really easy. So I'm safer there, but she'll swing. She swings. But there is a, there's a tension that comes from that, right? And you know, so there are literally leaders in here and they're like, hey, I need to go get, I need to go find pastor. And they start walking and they're like, this place is really quiet. I know Pastor Wren was here somewhere. And, and all of a sudden, tension begins to build because they know. I will seek and I will find. So they come around ready. I waited for Isaiah behind a pole the other day, but he knew. And I was waiting for him to come so I could jump out. And he went, ah, and me instead. And I was like, ah, that's not fair. <laughs> he goes, did I get you? I was like, kind of, Yeah. I wasn't ready for you to try to get me back. I knew it was there, but it, still, it surprised me, right? So I was like, that's how that feels. That's awful. <laughs> I'm still going to do it. <sighs> but I was standing behind the pole, and I'm, I'm waiting. And, you know, that's always the time where they're like, I think I'll stop and grab some chips. <laughs> or I'm walking that way. Hold on, I got to make a phone call. And I'm, and I'm waiting. <sighs> And I eagerly wait, and I'm like, this is going to take longer than expected. Right? How many of you tap out when the longer comes? How many of you say, this is going to take longer than I wanted it to take? Longer than I had planned. So because this doesn't meet my plans, I'm out. Because I don't have the patience. Have you ever heard this in church before? Never pray for patience. God will give you a reason to be patient. Why would we ever not want a fruit of the Spirit? Why would we ever say, God, I know you want me to be patient, but I won't pray for that because it's going to cost me something. Because you're going to test me in patience. Because I'm going to have a moment where I have to wait on you. And it's not always easy and it's frustrating. And my character, I don't want my character to be developed. I just want it to arrive in a package. In fact, somebody just order it on Amazon and deliver it to my door on Prime. So I get it in two days. Like, I want it quick. And we live in that society where we conditioned ourselves that somehow we can just order character. And not develop any of it. And we resist the process. I don't know what you're resisting this morning. I don't know what process you're resisting. Trust me, I was resisting going to the house and doing construction where I did not want to do that process. 
And I, I am not patient like my wife is to do things. If it, if it takes a few minutes of monotonous doing, I'm, I'm so out. I'm so out. I used to watch her get down on the floor of the tile with a toothbrush and scrub the, gra- scrub the grout. Any, any, anybody else? Anybody? Y'all are crazy. That's not okay. I can get one tile done. I'm like, this is boring. I'm done. I have no patience to continue to do that monotonous task over and over again. And she's just like, for five hours, I'm like, "Mm -mm, we're going to find a tool that does this more efficiently. So it's not that I don't understand the culture. Please hear me. I understand the culture. I just understand that it's not the way heaven always operates. You know, in, in Psalms 27, David is going through the thick of it. He's going through this place where he's persecuted, he's pressed. He feels the punishment on the weight of him. That's the Psalms 27 is where David says, I long to be in the house of the Lord forever. But if you read that whole psalm, it's not a pleasant psalm. He feels overrun and overwhelmed by the enemies that are pursuing him and everything that's crashing down in his life. And he understands that the house of the Lord is a safe place and a refuge while he's still going through this and praying to God that God would relieve him of the difficult situations that he is facing in his life because he doesn't want to do the difficult thing but he understands that in the house of the Lord if he dwells with God if he waits on God that the difficult thing can process him into something there are so many people that don't want to do the hard work we have a very not hard working world anymore In fact, I would say as I travel around the world, I, I, uh, Pastor Isaac, you know, we, we go to Kenya and we're going to Kenya and we're watching all these people mow the lawn on the highway. The, the, the center medium has grass on the highway and there's workers out there mowing the lawn of the highway and they're using machetes that have a bent tip so they can just swing and whack the grass. And that's how they mow the lawn. The sides of it get mowed by the goats. They've employed all the shepherds to tie their goats up on the side of the highway to mow the grass. So they get grass and they get the highways cleared. And and I watch this and I'm like, you know, we invented things like weed whackers just so we don't have to do that kind of labor. And there I'm like, does anybody have a mechanical lawnmower? And he's like, oh no, billionaires. Like, who's got money for that? Like, Who's got mechanical lawnmowers? You just get out there with the wacky, wacky. We went to a resort to stay in. When we went to one of the villages, the only hotel place there was like this really cool, very uh, like tiki houses kind of resorty area. And it, it was super cool. They had giant turtles that walked around the lawn. It was amazing. Like tortoises, excuse me. Giant tortoises that walked around the lawn, like the Galapagos kind, the big ones. And they're walking around like, this place is awesome. And in the morning, I would see the guy out there uh, between the sidewalk and the lawn, you know, edging with a machete, just chopping and chopping and chopping. And I'm like, man, that's, that's a lot of work. I don't, want it. I don't want a nice lawn that bad. I don't need a perfectly manicured, edged sidewalk if that's the effort I have to put into it. Some of you are like, I like a pretty lawn, but I ain't doing it. I've been to some of your houses, you got pretty lawns. Let me take your m- mower and give you a machete and see how pretty your lawn is in a couple of weeks. 
some of you all of a sudden, what you cared about, you don't care about no more. Your priorities just changed. Man, man, manicuring a lawn, how American, that's so, that's so, that's first world problems right there. All of a sudden, you don't care. But I'm watching that. I'm like, I don't want to put in that kind of effort. But I feel like what happens is, is that we've conditioned ourselves where we, we transfer that type of culture into our spiritual lives. And we don't recognize the destruction we do because we tap out of processes that God has to. There is no easier way. There is no shortcut or faster way through the desert season. You know, there was bondage and slavery in Egypt, and there was a promised land, and in between was a desert, and there was no way around the desert. There was no faster way through the desert. God showed up and parted a sea, but he still made them walk through the desert. God showed up and did a suddenly and gave them an easier path through, but then they still had to be in the desert. So there are moments where God will show up and give us the fast way through. He'll give us the instantaneous. He'll show up and deliver. Somebody asked me, you know, about our baptismal water. When you get into the baptismal water, is everything fixed, done, and finished there? Are you completely renewed? And I said, it is a process understand that God takes you and when you give your life to Jesus when you get in the water there may be things that break off instantly you may go in the water one way and come out another you may have an addiction that when you come out is gone you may have fear on your life when you come out it's gone you may need deliverance and it's gone there may be things in you that are crucified the second you go in the, pro uh, the water but not everything is done I've never had anyone come out of the water and be like perfected There may be big things that break off, but the rest of it is a process. You see, the water is a place where seeds are planted and they begin to be watered. Your seed is not fruit. It's a process. So many people are like, I got a seed of freedom. But will you water it and grow it to produce fruit? I got a seed of revelation. Will you water it and produce fruit? See, here's the thing. If you water it right and you let it produce right and you cultivate it right, it'll feed more than you. You'll be overrun so much so that you say, not only can I feed myself, but I have more than enough to give to other people. There are plenty of people in here started a little garden in their backyard and came as like, here, have some fruit. I got too much. I'm overrun with squash. I planted a couple okra, okra plants. I did not know how they produced. Every day was okra planted, picking season forever. I'm like, there's so much okra. Overrun. We planted like five tomato plants. I can't eat that much pasta. And everyone's like, well, I'll take a few extra. See, the point of it is it starts as a little seed that God puts in you. And if you water it and you cultivate it and you care for it and you let it go through its process, it will produce enough for you and others. If you are not producing where you can pour out on someone else, you have not allowed God to process you. You are still eating all your seeds. go on trips and 
first thing my wife and my son do is they get themselves a big bag of sunflower seeds. You do it. He does it all the time. She used to, but Isaiah does it all the time. There's always a big bag of some. We've got to have sunflower seeds. And they're just crunching, munching. I can't do it. I can't do sunflower seeds. I don't have to do that thing where you crack it in your mouth. I can't do it. I can't. I just end up eating the shells. And they're... <laughs> There's shells and seeds everywhere all mixed up together. I can't do it. I'm like, this is terrible. I've been eating for four and a half hours and I'm starving. It's a perfect diet for me. I cannot eat fast enough. I buy shelled uh, uh, pistachios because I'll just grab a handful of pistachios and wham, right? I'm like, that was really good. But I'm like, oh, if I have to shell them, it takes me longer and I eat less. And it's like, I was like, okay, I'm going to get the shelled ones, but not sunflower seeds. I will starve to death. You will find my corpse with a pile of sunflower seeds all around me starving. Because I cannot seem to process them. I can't process them quickly. I can't process them in time. And I don't want to go through that process. I'm sure I could learn. I have no patience for that. And so I starve. And the reality is, is that there are so many just things in our life that we will not plant. We just want to consume it the easy way. We want it shelled for us. You want me to come in here and go, okay, Lord, I know there's a nugget I want pastor to remove the shell for me so I can eat it. And I'm glad to do that. I, I'm glad to feed you. I'm glad to do that for you. But that can't be your only. It can't be the only thing where you will only come if I take the shell off for you. And then all you want to do is eat your own seeds instead of realizing that God gave that to you to plant so that you could pour out on other people, so you could be fruitful and multiply, so that you could give it away to other people. I'm telling you this. If your faith is still all about you and you don't give it away to anybody else, if you are not a blessing to other people, if your faith does not pour into other people's life, you are still a consumer of the fast food version of Christianity. That's probably the real church's chicken. See, Holy Spirit, it's got jokes. <laughs> so when I, when I heard the Lord this morning say this, and I'm going to wrap it up soon, eventually. Jesus said he's coming back soon. I'm going to wrap it up soon. Jesus said he's coming back soon. So you deal with that. <laughs> I heard him just say, wait, wait on me. And the scripture instantly came into my heart from Isaiah 40. 31. Many of you know it well. But they that wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. They that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. And the Lord was like, when you have no strength left in you, when you feel like your strength has been depleted, it's necessary to renew that strength. And I was like, Lord, I don't feel like I have any strength today. And he's like, that needs to be renewed. Well, how do you want me to renew that? By waiting. Just wait. It's a process, but it's not complicated. It takes persistence. 
but it's not rocket science. Just wait. So you just want me to sit here till I feel better? I want you to vehemently, adamantly look for me. I want you to intertwine yourself with me again because in the busyness, I haven't been intertwined with you. I've been with you, but not engaging with. There's been no tension between you and I. There's been no wrapping between you and I. We're together, but we're not intertwined. And there is a difference. Ask any marriage what it's like to just be in the same room or intertwined. You cannot go that long without intertwining. Some of you are like, I get it now. There is a difference. Ladies, if you don't think there's a difference, ask your husband. He's looking at you right now. Yeah, there's a difference. There's a difference. There's a difference. If he's looking at you angry, you have missed it. Strike that from the record, please. I want to wait. I want to be good at waiting. I don't want to wait, but I want to be good at it. First John 5.14 says this, and this is the confidence that we have towards him that if we seek anything according to his will, he hears us. So waiting looks like actively looking for him, actively seeking him, actively moving towards him. See, I think David understood this better than most because he faced so many moments where he was drained and he was empty and he was weary and he was troubled. And I think David perfected the idea of waiting. He understood what it was looked like because he was a man after God's own heart and he understood that he wanted God close. He didn't just want God in the room. He wanted intertwined with him. There are so many Christians that settle for coming to a church service where God is in the room and that's good enough for them, but they don't want to be intertwined. They don't want any tension on their life to serve him. They don't want any tension on their life that they need to be wrapped up in his will, wrapped up in his plan, wrapped up in his love, wrapped up in his purpose, wrapped up in his business. They don't want to be wrapped up in a season of wrapping paper. Psalms 40 verse 1 through 3 says this to the choir master, a psalm of David. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. I want you to get that. He waited patiently for the Lord, but he did not sit in silence. It says he inclined to me and heard my cry. So his waiting was him crying out to the Lord. His waiting was pursuing God. His waiting was conversating with God, intertwining himself. It doesn't say he just spoke to the Lord. It says he cried. Why would you cry? Because he was hurting. He was broken. He was lost. He was without answers. He was without salute. Whatever it was that he was facing at that moment, he knew what it was to be in a place of feeling like crying and choosing to cry out to the Lord. I know that feeling this week. I talk to people this week. They know that feeling this week. They go through things where they're like, I'm crying right now. I've sat with people when they cried. I've taken phone calls with people that cried, and I cried. I've had moments of crying. But my crying doesn't need to be directed at my own self-pity. That I recognize that waiting on the Lord is to take those tears and turn them towards God and wrap myself around his presence and cry to him. Some of you are so caught up in religiosity that you don't think you can just cry to him and say, this sucks. And I'm frustrated and I'm hurting. 
I tell the story all the time about being at the point where the church was felt like it was about to close and we weren't going to make it another minute. We couldn't make it another month. We couldn't make it at all. I was like, God, I, I let the Holy Spirit loose and everyone's getting healed. And every time someone gets healed, someone leaves the church. And we were a healthy church of 200 people. And then we were 45, six months later. What changed? People got healed. That's what changed. Now people come because of that, but they were leaving because of that. And I cried out to God. I said, God, this is why pastors don't want to let you loose. They're afraid. This is what scares them. I love it, but it's terrifying. And I said to him, I was like, God, I feel like I know how to grow a church better than you. See, I say that and there's always someone that says, oh, ooh. I was already thinking it. I was already crying about it. Better I cry to him about it. He already knows I feel that way. I can keep him at a distance or I can wrap myself around him in my own frustration and brokenness. In my own emptiness. Say, I'm empty. I got nothing. I'm frustrated. But I'm grabbing you. Lord, I'm frustrated. I feel like this. But I'm grabbing you. I'm not abandoning you. I'm coming right to you. In my emptiness. Right to your feet. Even if I'm, mm. and God instantly answered me in that moment. He says, it depends on your definition of a church. Oh, and instantly I knew what he meant. I knew how to grow a gathering. He knew how to grow a people, people, a group of people that were committed to the cause. 5,000 people showed up and he chased them away. But the disciples, he said, will you leave me too? And they said, where would we go? You have the words of life. And he said, with these people that have intertwined themselves around me, even when everyone else is running away, even when it's difficult and hard and they're being disappointed, I'm sure they were so excited. Whoa, the ministry's gaining traction. All this help we've been offering Jesus. Look, it's being fruitful and we're multiplying. And then it's empty. They're probably feeling discouraged, defeated, and like, we just worked hard for you. We distributed all the food. We saw the miracles. And then you just open your mouth and chased them off. I'm sure they weren't happy he said it. But he says, will you leave me? And he, they said, where would we go? You have the words of life. And in that moment of feeling empty, broken, frustrated, sad, defeated, angry, whatever the feeling and the emotion is, they wrapped themselves around Jesus. They pulled closer because they recognized that he was their only hope anyways. So they were willing to take the tension. They were willing to adamantly keep pursuing him. And so when we're in that tension season, in that moment, what are we willing to wait on him even though it is frustrating or it is hard? I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. There is a beauty in this moment where he is crying to God and God hears his cries and his response is to praise with a new song. It's to open his mouth and glorify God in the moment. He is waiting on God and he is crying out. He is praising he is seeking and he's not afraid of the tension. Are you afraid of the process or does everything need to be packaged?
We want to pray for you. Send us a message with your prayer requests through Facebook or email and let us know how we can pray for you today. Also, let us know how this message impacted your life. I love you. God loves you. Shalom. Shalom.